hello, and welcome to the Double Take Podcast with your hosts, Kirk and Kevin Weber. This is the show for fans of sports, music, and popular culture. On this episode of Double Take, we discuss the new Star Wars movie, The Rise of Skywalker, the Beatles' Help album, and the franchise Mount Rushmore of the James Bond films. Join us now on Double Take. All right, well, welcome to our 16th episode of Double Take. We'd like to wish everybody a happy holidays and a happy Christmas and Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah and whatever else you might celebrate. Um, it's uh, We talk a lot about pop culture on this uh, particular podcast, and one thing that is probably one of the biggest things in pop culture going on right now is the new release of the Star Wars movie, and um, we don't want to spoil it for anybody. If you're worried about that, we won't, because I haven't seen it yet. Kevin just saw it last, last night, right, Kevin? Um, That's right. And so we just thought we'd talk a little bit about just kind of how it's kind of being discussed in pop culture conversations. And um, basically, um, the you know, like, it's what your expectations are, and your expectations were... I want to see a conclusion to this Skywalker saga. And how was that for you? Um, I thought it was a very enjoyable movie. Um, it was kind of what I expected, um, along with, you know, the other people that uh, saw the movie on Friday night since it made $90 million on Friday night. So <laughs> I think it's doing okay. Um, I, I try to stay away from the reviews because uh, I don't like it to be spoiled. And, but I did notice and, and heard from people that there were some critics that were criticizing it. And, you know, they have a right to do that. But um, I don't really get it. I, I don't know. I I'm, I know some people really liked uh, Rogue One and they wanted a more cutting edge movie in which, I don't know, some of the main characters might die or something like that. Um, and, you know, just have a, like a free for all kind of thing, you know. But. Star Wars movies aren't supposed to be Academy Award winning movies. They're supposed to be fun and action packed. And this movie is supposed to not just summarize these these three movies that we've had recently, but but basically nine movies. And um, that's a tough task. I mean, it's a two and a half hour movie. So I thought they did a pretty good job with that. I thought it was a very fun movie. Um, my wife and daughter liked it as well. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It was kind of what I expected. But then again, like today, I was in a record shop talking to a gentleman that I was buying a record from, and he thought it was a piece of garbage, you know, and he didn't right. like it at all, um, which, you know, I, I didn't really want to have a conversation with him about that, but I just don't always really get that. I don't know what people are expecting. I think they want their their movie made, and when their movie's not made in the way they think it should happen, they're upset or something. I don't know. What do, what do you think, Kurt? Well, I mean, I like you know, we've talked about, I, I don't think it's possible to create the perfect Star Wars movie because there's so many critics. It's so well known that it, it just, you know, no one's going to be satisfied with what you do. So I kind of feel bad for the people a little bit that have to make the decisions. On the other hand, I'm sure they're having the time of their life. So, you know, good for them. And, you know, as far as the franchise goes, they're, they're going to the bank with the money and, and they're fine. But I, um, you know, from talking to some of my colleagues at work who saw it um, Thursday night and to you, and I haven't got a chance yet, but I definitely plan on seeing it soon. Um, I, 
basically all the people that I would trust are like, hey, um, it it cinched up things. It was satisfying. I enjoyed it. If you're a Star Wars fan, you'll enjoy it. That's all I need to hear. I'm good. That's all my review because it's so, I mean, being a movie critic, and I know that it's kind of fun or whatever, there, there's so much cynicism in some of that. And, and I, and you know, like, I don't know what you want. Like, like, you know, if you're coming up with other movie franchises, um, it's hard when you have to put link together multiple movies, you know, a single, uh, you know, standalone movie is a little easier to kind of cinch things up. And like you were just saying, exactly like nine movies, it's a, that's a tall task. But if I go see other more adventure type movies, like an Indiana Jones or something, I don't want to see Indiana Jones die. I want to see Indiana Jones do really cool things. You know, that's what I want. You know, some good bad guys and that sort of thing. Um, I And do I expect to see the movie um, win uh, awards or the actors win awards? No, I don't. I just expect to be entertained. And if you say you were entertained and some of my colleagues say they were entertained, then that's good. It's not like I wouldn't see it anyway. I mean, I plan on seeing it more than once. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a little frustrating to hear that. But on the other hand, I don't really care, I guess. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like the Marvel movies, recent Marvel movies, like the Infinity War. Okay, I, I, I don't know what the critics said about those movies either. Uh, maybe they panned them or not. I don't know. They were enjoyable movies. Um, yeah, a bunch of characters died and came back to life, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, they make it work, I guess. I mean, that's a, a, a tall tale and, and a tough task as well. Um you know, like I saw some critics saying that, oh, this is a this is a movie that just pandered to the fans. Isn't that what a movie is supposed to do for this? Especially I, I a Star Wars movie. Yeah, who's it, it supposed mean, to pander to the critics? I don't yeah. get what what are they what are they what are they thinking? Right. I guess I'd you know? like to say thanks for pandering to the fans. I, I appreciate. Thanks it. for making the movie that fans might like because you know I don't know you and I have been um, you know invested in this franchise for forty two years. I mean, yeah. since we were five years old, you know, we've been watching. I mean, we grew up with it. All right. Yeah. I want a movie that concludes the stuff I've been watching for 42 years. Sorry. You know, I'm sorry it wasn't as edge or as deep or had a certain plot that somebody wanted. I don't care. You know, I want yeah. a movie that concludes stuff. You know, I want to know why, you know, I want to know where Ray came from. I want things to kind of conclude with the whole Skywalker saga. I wanted to like have an uh, an end to it. I want that. I want new Star Wars stuff too. I love the Mandalorian. I love other things that they're talking about doing. Yeah, that's awesome, you know. But I want this one to end, um, and it's been a great ride, you know. And um, so I, I don't I don't get it. Right. <laughs> I, I don't understand. I don't need an indie movie or some you know like I, I don't need uh, it, it's good. It's so mainstream and so part of pop culture that that's the type of movie that just has to be that's how you have to make it and and you have a huge budget and everything you can do so you do it and and i know some people will criticize the other movies um as far as these three movies i've enjoyed what they've done i will admit to people that i believe that the prequel movies were a bit tedious um a little bit too much dialogue at certain times. A lot of whiny main characters, especially Anakin. Um, those sorts of things, you know, were problematic. And it was hard because you kind of knew where things were going. Where mm-hmm. what was fun about this series 
is you kind of don't know where it's going. And well, that's just, what's fun about this movie is you don't like you haven't seen it. You don't know what's going to happen. I don't. I have when no you're watching idea. it, you're like, what's going to happen? Is you know who's going to win? Um, is this character good or bad? You know all those things that you originally had in the original trilogy. Um, just like the same thing. Like you, you remember when we saw Return of the Jedi at, at theater mm-hmm. there in Flushing um, when we were like eleven years old. And uh, people pandered, pan, panned on Return of the Jedi. They didn't like it. They thought it wasn't as... Because, you know, it came after Empire, right? Which mm-hmm. everybody says is the best Star Wars movie. Which, you know, it is really good. But that's still debatable, too. But anyway, um, I love that movie. Didn't you love that movie? Oh, I do. I thought when I saw that movie, when I was 11, that was one of the best... I might have said that was the best movie I've ever seen. It was perfect. Because it concluded that whole story up to that point. Mm-hmm. It was awesome great it was just the best it was so much fun i I, and i still remember sitting there and it's you know it's been 36 years okay and this movie is kind of like that it's the return of the jedi of that but it's so much fun you know and really i think Um, that that's what i want that should be the measuring stick is you know if it's supposed to be fun yeah you know you need to have fun with it you know and i think that's where some of the problems with their uh prequel ones where some of them weren't that fun. You know, I'm just, yeah. you know, as yes. a fan. Well, there's you know, definitely parts that weren't that fun. Right. Yeah. You know, so, you know, like if you, if I'm asking somebody who's seen it, like you, you're like, was there a lot of action scenes? Tons of action. Great. You know, was <laughs> I, there. I heard a critic say there was too much action. Right. What? Not enough. <laughs> what? Yeah. Um, That's what it's was, supposed to have. Was there, were there things revealed and settled? Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, then yeah. that's all. That's, that's what I need. So I look forward to seeing it after a, a, a long time. We may talk more specifically about it. But at this point, if anybody happens to be you know, wanting to go see it, we wouldn't want to spoil anything for anyone. But that's kind of our take. And I enjoy Star Wars. And I, you know, like some people say, oh, Disney's going to ruin Star Wars and all that. Look, the fact that they want to take and create new things with Star Wars and use the money to do it, uh, their money and their, you know, their ability to do it because they're really like kind of the company that can do it. Great. Keep it going. Well, you know, you know how many Star Wars movies we'd have had if Disney didn't buy it from Lucas? How many <laughs> we, new ones? None. Zero. We'd have, we none. wouldn't have any. So quit complaining. We at least got three new Star Wars movies. Well, more than that, we got Sky, we got um, Solo and we got Rogue One and we got a Mandalorian series and other stuff that's coming. We got all this stuff because they bought it. So mm-hmm. shut up and enjoy it. If you don't like it, don't watch it. Right. You know? Nobody says you have to, but I'm going to enjoy it, and that's that's fine. You know. Um, okay. Well, that's kind of our uh, little talk on Star Wars so far, and um, I'm sure there will be a little bit more as this kind of unfolds in the theaters um, over the next couple months. Uh, we'll go to our break, and when we come back, um, have a little talk. We have to talk about the um, our next Beatles album, which is Help that we're uh, mm-hmm. ready to talk about. Um, and among other things, uh, we'd probably like to also see if we can work in a Mount Rushmore. Um, and that'll probably be our two main things, I think, uh, unless something else comes up. So those are our, that's kind of where we're at. Uh, stick with us, and we'll be right back.
All right. Well, welcome back. Uh, next up for our Beatles talk in our series of album discussions is the Beatles' Help album as we move into 1965 and kind of a transformative year for the Beatles. Um, and have you had a chance to listen to it on vinyl now? Didn't you just get it recently? Yes. Yes, I did. I got the new, well, the you know remastered vinyl, the uh, British version. And I also do have the uh, an original 1965 American version as well, which mm. as far as the American albums go, um, I find that pretty enjoyable. I mean, there's some um, orchestrated stuff that they do, um, but, you know, I, I think it's a fun listen. I kind of like it. I mean, they, they do the help song with the James Bond kind of theme right at the beginning, mm-hmm. which I think is fun. Um, I always like that. You know, that. then they have... They have the night before, and then they do this from me to you, like fantasy instrumental thing. And it's a lot of Indian style music. That's where George Harrison, of course, was kind of introduced to sitar and everything. And then they do You Gotta Hide Your Love Away, and then I Need You. And then this instrumental, they kind of end side one. And then on side two, they do Another Girl to start side two. And then Another Hard Day's Night, this kind of like rearranged instrumental. Then they do Ticket to Ride. And then they do this kind of... Um, the bitter end um, lead into you can't do that, which is kind of an instrumental. Then they do you're gonna lose that girl, and then they do their little chase theme, like when they get chased around in the movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay, is it as good as the British one? Well, no, not even close because it has you know like 14 songs on it, and it's really good. But um, it's it I think it's enjoyable to listen to, and I like the the Indian music and the Indian sounds on it. It's got a, kind of a cool kind of I don't know. Um, um, it seems like it's more of the vibe of the movie. It's it's the vibe of 1965 too, at least right. what I picture, because I wasn't kinda. alive then. But it's got that kind of like you swinging kind of vibe. Yeah, yeah, that swinging 60s kind of feel to it. Little, and just little like Austin the movie Powers kind of thing. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It does feel, and that's what I was listening to it, and my wife and daughter were listening to it. And I'm not saying that they enjoyed that as much. They rather <laughs> yeah. listen to it. But I'm like, I need to listen to this because we're going to talk about it on the podcast. All right. So <laughs> I'm listening to the vinyl of it, and they're like, well, it sounds like he ripped off Awesome Powers. No. Okay, Awesome Powers is like 30 years after this. It does sound like that. They mentioned that, you know, and it's right. true. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of – it was it was a good juxtaposition to um, both both of them. I, I think that they kind of – okay, the Americans should have just released the regular version, but they got a little something right on their version. It's better than the Hard Day's Night one, mm-hmm. which had two months instrumental – for that and that was a united artist release anyway so but uh, yeah there's there's some funness to it for sure um yeah yeah um, and anyway. so as far as the the cd or the british version or whatever you want to call it uh that's a 14 track album like they had done with some other ones that basically um you know it's all lennon mccartney and harrison type stuff except for dizzy miss lizzie um, which is kind of they get back to the last track on the on the second side. They do a Larry Williams song, you know, that's a good rocking song that John Lennon um, loved to sing. And, you know, he had done two. Uh, well, he did Dizzy Miss Lizzie and the B-side to Dizzy Miss Lizzie was Slow Down, which he, was another song that they recorded as the Beatles. But that's a great Lennon rock and roll vocal. He uh, mm-hmm. has some great live versions of that, too. You know, great concert song. But, um, I mean, I enjoy help a lot. I mean, I mean, help the, the, you know, title track is great. And of course that's, you know, you look back now and Lennon 
literally is saying he needs help with all sorts of things in his life and he feels like that's his um, overweight stage and things like that um but there's like um songs that are great with electric guitars like ticket to ride um and then there's Mm -hmm. songs that are great like acoustic things like um you know i've just seen a face or you've got to hide your love away or something like that yesterday (laughs) or yesterday i was gonna save that you know which of course the fact that yesterday is on there is i mean it's such a significant song in the history of pop culture so you know of course that one there is interesting in the sense that it has the orchestration and really it's just paul and no other beatles are appearing on that but then you have songs that sound like the beatles from the middle of the 1960s you know it could be uh something like um you know uh i don't know it's it's only love or um, another girl, you know, another girl sounds yeah. like a Beatles song, you know? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, I, um, I enjoy that album a lot. I, I think it's, um, I, it's, it's very interesting. Um, and it's got a lot of variety on it. Um, I, I like Ringo doing act naturally. I think he sounds mm-hmm. great on that. Um, and does, is act naturally the end of the, of the, uh, vinyl no, it side? starts, it starts side two. It oh, starts it starts. To, okay. Yeah. So ticket to mm-hmm. ride and side one. Is that yes, what it is? Which yeah. is pretty. Yep. Mm-hmm. And ticket and then, to ride yeah. is a great song. Um, yes. I, you know, as far as in America that had chart success, but you know, in the, in England, it's just kind of buried on the album, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Um, yep. so yeah, I mean, it's, uh, if you were it's a little um, cutting edge, it, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. there's, you had some of those mid sixties groups like the animals or the kinks and, you know, those guys kind of coming along there around this time. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I'm not saying the Beatles felt like they had to do that, but you know, I think they were like, all right, you know, we gotta, we gotta have a song like ticket to ride, or we gotta, you know, have a little something different. Like you, you, you gotta hide your love away, mm-hmm. you know, those kind of songs like that. Um, or even just, you know, having some different sounds in it, like I Need You, you know, with the organ sounds and stuff mm-hmm. in that. Um, Harrison's really starting to come out here. You can see this is like where George Harrison starts to, he's starting to bloom. I mean, you you know, I Need You and You Love Me Too Much um, are good songs, you mm-hmm. know. I think um, I, I, when I was listening to You Like Me Too Much, um, I, I really, um, I feel it like It takes George... a long time to appreciate that song. But yeah. I think as we, you know, I don't know about you, but as I've gotten older, I appreciate that. And also, I need you. When I first heard that, I was like, oh, this is okay. But, you know, it's a really good song. Right. It really it's, is. It's got it. Okay. It's not the instantaneous hook melody that a lot of the Lennon McCartney songs could do. But I need you. As soon as it starts, you 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 instantly know it. And it's got a really cool guitar lick on it. Um, yeah, I totally agree with you. I, I see Harrison... His growth is occurring at this point. I mean, what is he, 22? You know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. it takes time, you know, and he's 21, I think. Probably no, 21, yeah, 22. When were, 21, yeah. 22. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. right around 22. there, you know, and it, so, you know, it's it's difficult, but, um, but yeah, I think they, they did a good job with that. And then the, um, the, the singles that start coming out in 1965, this would have been, tell me if I'm wrong, I'm just doing this off the top of my head, Day Tripper? And um, we can work it out. Yep. Yeah. Is that the early um, ones? No, because later on, that's not for Rubber Soul, right? Rubber Soul is later in '65, right? Well, let's see. Are here. those in the middle? I think they those are in the middle. Those are in the middle. This is their. Um, yeah, yeah. This one's earlier. When was it released? Um, 
Let's see here. We should know it was released things. on um, August 13th, 1965. And the British one was released August 6th, eight okay. months after Beatles for Sale. Um, and they started it mostly in the middle of February. And after they did their Beatles Christmas show um, at the Hammersmith Odeon in London. Um, and then... I'm trying to just kind of see here. I mean, it, you know, the album went immediately to number one in the British charts and remained there for uh, for a total of nine of its 37 weeks in the top Because Help was a single. Because it was... Um, yeah. Help and um, and Ticket to Ride, too. I think they did release that in the Did they States release those, well. too? Yeah, I, I know I Ticket so. to Ride went number one in the States. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not sure how they handled that with the British... Of course, you know, like, there's always songs on every Beatles album that could have been singles and could have been maybe number one hits or definitely big-time hits. Like uh, we mentioned before, like J.J. Abrams talks about The Night Before. He thinks that's one of the best songs they ever wrote is just stuck on this album, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think I've Just Seen a Face is one of the very best Beatles songs and could have been a number one hit if they wanted to release that as a single. It's a great song. Every time the song it's just such a perfectly crafted song and sounds so cool and the production on it and the way McCartney sounds it's just a great song you know mm-hmm. oh yeah um but just stuck in the album you know just whatever mm-hmm. you know if, if other groups around that time had written I just seen a face they would have released that thing like nobody's business and let it ride up the charts you know so yeah the the two singles we were right when we were saying that because it, that's why it was kind of going blank on us were help and ticket to ride um yeah. And then, of course, um, yesterday kind of took on its own sort of. I think I think I'm down was the flip side of help. I think you're or, right. And then ticket to ride. I don't know what the flip side of ticket to ride was. Um, yes, it is. Is the B side. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Oh yes. Yeah, that's a good yes. song. Um, yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Um, so yeah, fun album. Um, and it goes with the movie, you know, there's a couple excellent Beatle books that I've, you know, had the privilege of listening to, um, or one could read them, um, and recently, and one of those is Dreaming the Beatles by Rob Sheffield is, is really good too. Mm-hmm. And he, um, his, I think he was born in 1966, I think, or something like that. So he watched help, you know, when he was younger and help is like his movie, you know, some people will pan on help, Mm -hmm. but he, you know, like he'll talk about help in a way that I haven't really heard other people talk about it. And it's pretty fascinating. You know, it's like, if you're a Beatle fan, like we are, um, if you listen to or read dreaming the Beatles, um, by Rob Sheffield, it's, it's really good. Um, he also just has, you know, um, good takes on, uh, different moments in pop culture with them. That's basically. I would love for a theater to show Hard Day's Night and help in a theater. I'd love to see those. In a I've theater. seen Hard Day's Night you um, know, in Royal Oak. They showed it when they did a. Yeah. Oh, you did. And you? that was yeah. fun. I've never seen What'd Help, but oh, it was yeah. great. It, it was it was wonderful. You know, it's huge. Um, it it was. Um, I wish I could do it again. <laughs> So, but I did get yeah. a chance to do that. Um, I don't, yeah, help doesn't seem to have, I don't know if that would ever happen unless you had some special connections and a copy yourself, <laughs> you know, 
But mm-hmm. um, I yeah. guess if you did a double feature, that would be cool. Like a back-to-back. Yeah, that would be fun. That'd be, that would be really cool yeah. if somebody did that. Um, so, yeah, our next album that we'll talk about is kind of later on in 65, the famous Rubber Soul album um, comes out. And mm-hmm. this is when um, they really start to explore some different sounds and, and some very significant um, songs come out of this. So um, for some people, it's one of their favorite albums. Um, many people will talk about Rubber Soul and Revolver and Abbey Road and maybe Pepper um, when they start listing them. So, um, you know, we'll we'll have to kind of dig into that. Um, I'm guessing this will be in the new year um, when we get into that. Yes, probably. Um, but yeah. uh, do you have that one on vinyl? I do have that on vinyl, and I also have the American version, too, which is slightly right. different. So we'll do a little so, comparison. On yep. I don't have the American version of Revolver revolver but um yeah i do with rubber soul so i'll have to take a listen to both of those okay and uh and then we'll listen and then um kind of give our our thoughts on those all right so yep. right after this uh we'll come back with a mount rushmore Well, for this week's Mount Rushmore, we're going to look at our top four James Bond movies. If you happen to go see the new Star Wars Rise of Skywalker movie, you will get to see the No Time to Die trailer for the uh, James Bond movie that I believe comes out in April. Looks good, like a typical James Bond movie. Um, So Kirk and I are both big James Bond fans, and we've like James Bond since we were in elementary school, and uh, have seen all the movies um, multiple times usually. And uh, we're going to kind of talk through what we think are maybe the the, the top four. Um, we're not really, well, we might kind of talk about our favorite James Bonds, but that certainly is going to have a, an effect on it as well, I guess. All right, so what are you thinking, Kirk? Is there one that you're like, okay, this one's going to be on there for sure? Mm. You got any um, ones that well, like, okay, we... I... I would, I mean, it just depends on when you're thinking of different bonds, but I'm thinking you got to go with a Sean Connery and, Mm -hmm. you know, so then it's like, okay, I want to go with a Sean Connery, which Sean Connery do I think is the best? And, um, I'm thinking probably Goldfinger is probably the best Sean Connery. So that to me would be a vote for one of the four. Um, yes, I definitely think Goldfinger's got to be on it. I mean, it's the movie that made James Bond into this international crazy franchise that it is i mean dr no and from russia with love are very fun movies i mean dr no is more of like a mystery movie a mystery Mm -hmm. spy movie from russia with love is a very fun movie probably a better plot in some ways than than golfing definitely got to be on there i think what also happens is you get a few more of the gadgety things going on a little bit more of the car aspect of James Bond, you know, Austin mm-hmm. Martin, stuff like that. You have uh, a character who's killed by being painted in gold, you know, which is a kind of a weird James mm-hmm. Bondy sort of plot twist. Um, those sorts of things are unique, especially for the 1960s. So I think that Goldfinger would fit in there. Yeah, it has the perfect balance of all those things. So Goldfinger has the perfect combination 
of all the things that you look for in a Bond movie. Um, it doesn't have too much action. It doesn't have too much gadgets. Um, it doesn't have sequences that are too long. And it has a really good bad guy. And those are things that you look for in a good Bond. You know, it has the humor mm-hmm. and all those things that you are looking for. Yep. Yeah, so definitely Goldfinger. Yes, and it's a good kind of t- period piece too. So, okay, that's kind of one that I think we nailed down one. Uh, what would be, do you have another one in mind um, that you're thinking of? Well, you know, the movie that kind of, I think GoldenEye. I think GoldenEye's got to be on here somewhere because mm. it kind of reinvigorated uh, the whole franchise. It was looking a little dead after License to Kill in 89. There hadn't been a Bond movie in, in six years. Yeah. And um, I would say that was the, the, even though Pierce Brosnan did a lot of um, Bond movies, I still think his first one was probably the, the, the most significant one. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, there's. Yes. So, um, yeah, I would say that um, he's, and he shows a certain vulnerability. He was a very good James Bond early on, like that. Um, and it was kind of a fresh look. I agree. I, I think that. Um, you know, you, you have a pretty good bad guy in there. He's kind of a rogue agent, um, some memorable characters. Um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on, on you know, I think there was, there, there, they got a lot of new James Bond fans, especially younger fans with Goldeneye. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Before it's like, oh, like my dad likes those movies or this or that. But there's a lot of people. And also they had the very successful video game that got yes, it going they did. too. I wish they would and like so, re-release that or something for, uh, you know, like Xbox or PlayStation or something. Um, yeah. But yeah, I agree. I think that uh, GoldenEye. So we got two of them with gold, right? Goldfinger. It's either you're going to have gold yes. or die in it, right? I mean, it seems yes. like one or the other. Um, I would like to propose. I... I still feel like Casino Royale, Daniel Craig's first one, mm-hmm. was, yes. again, it's another kind of similar in that idea of reshaping Bond. But mm-hmm. I like the kind of more, the less flashy, but more vulnerable and tough guy. Very, very edgy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and, and it's, you know, they never made that from, the, you know, the original book, which is a great book. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, the first, you know, story. Um, so I, uh, you know, like it, it probably is what Ian Fleming would have wanted to see, I think. Um, and I still enjoy that movie. I think it, I think it's good. Um, I think so so, too. I was kind of leaning with that too. So I mean, I I think, I do think that, um, you know, as far as other Daniel Craig, I thought Skyfall was very good too, but I think I would still say that Casino Royale would be my number one for him. Um, I know that we've kind of picked uh, three different Bonds. We can always pick another, you know, there's, I mean, Sean Connery, I think in the running, you know, I mean, From Russia With Love is still a classic of his. So is Thunderball. Yep. And Dr. No, you could say, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, we haven't said anything as far as Roger Moore goes. I think Live and Let Die. Live and Let Die is probably maybe, you know, Live and Let Die and and The Man with the Golden Gun, but Mm -hmm. probably Live and Let Die. I like Live and Let Die. Some people might say The Spy Who Loved Me, too. You know, that's got Jaws in it. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's kind of got some submarine things and, you know, his more of his naval stuff. I, I, uh, I do like Live and Let Die only because Paul McCartney, not only, (laughs) but like, I like, I think it's the best James Bond theme song, you know. But um, I I feel like if we're going with the Mount Rushmore, probably there's not going to be a Roger Moore movie on there. 
Mm-hmm. I, I don't. Do you think that the uh, Roger there's Roger the best Roger Moore movie is better than the second or third um, movies from Daniel Craig, Sean Connery, or even Pierce Brosnan? I don't know. I mean, I, I, I respect Roger Moore. Don't get me wrong. God, you know, God, God rest, bless his soul. There, right? But I, he had some kind of cheesy seventies early 80s moonraker <laughs> yeah i mean for your eyes only is all right it's pretty solid i mean i don't I mean, think we're gonna we go with st- octopussy or anything yeah like that. when we we were young when we went to see i mean we you know roger moore was kind of a part of our james bond you know as far as the new movies when we were kids mm-hmm. um and i liked octopussy when i saw it but you know when you see it now you know it doesn't it necessarily hold rough. up yeah but you know a movie that really is one of the best James Bond movies that people don't talk about is On Her Majesty's Secret Service. Yeah. Um, it really is. Um, so, and, and, you know, the thing is, you know, you've got um, George Lazenby, you know, that's his only James Bond movie. He kind of made the mistake of, uh, you know, saying that he didn't want to do anymore. And I thought he was a pretty good James Bond. I mean, yeah. he, I think he's better than Roger Moore. Um, I think he's better than, um, you know... I don't know. I mean, I think he's on par with Pierce Brosnan, don't you think? Yeah. Um, I, you know, for I, what he did. I mean, it's 1969, I would so just, it's a little bit different I would just time. need a little more material, probably. You know, like I just didn't yeah. see a lot from him. That was the only thing. But, but the movie itself, it's a fun movie. Yeah. And a well-done movie and um, a good plot. And um, some cool scenes know, with that, the skiing, the mountains and stuff. Yeah. And, and they had uh, Blofeld in there, so they had like the the classic bad guy and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I guess maybe I, 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 if you really want to look at it, I mean, maybe Thunderball is probably the other one if you're really looking. Yeah. Um, Thunderball's it, it's yeah. a heck of a movie, a heck of a James Bond movie. You know, and it and it and has it, cool things like the jetpack and stuff mm-hmm. like that. You know, like where yeah, he's and it's got the whole specter thing going and Blofeld and all that stuff too. Um, mm-hmm. Very cold. Yeah, war. I mean, I the only problem I always have with that movie, and it's cool at first, but the underwater stuff that they do and all the fighting, it's really well done. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong, it's just too long. Yeah, they needed to cut about ten minutes of that off, and then move on. And the movie would move a lot better. And you know, if it if they did that, it might be the best James Bond movie. To be right. honest, they could edit you it know. down and do it. Yeah, yeah. There uh, you go. You know, have you? Um, I mean, I. You know, I'm a cord cutter, so I do a lot of streaming stuff and look at different things. And Pluto, which is all free TV stuff that you can anybody can download the app and use on their devices. They have specialized channels for everything, and they have a 007 channel that's just 24 seven. James Bond movies. They're just showing James Bond movies hmm. all the time. Crazy. Um, so, you know, sometimes you just like to flip one on and it's like, ah, okay, what do we got? Watch you it, know? wherever it is, yeah. Yeah. So uh, they, they show, it seems like a lot more of the earlier ones, but, but you know, that's fine, whatever. Um, sometimes you just want to see one that's, you know, like you're like one that you don't watch that much that you wouldn't necessarily pick. But, mm-hmm. yeah. And and it is nice. I mean, you can see a lot of them after they've been remastered, like you're saying, checking them out in 4K or something like that is kind of cool. Yeah. But um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I think so if we went right now, we have Goldfinger and GoldenEye. And I think we agreed on Casino Royale. I'm going to let you make mm-hmm. the call on that fourth one. What do you think? I think we got to pick Thunderball. Thunderball. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. And Thunderball. So two Sean Connery. 
and um, a Daniel Craig and a Pierce Brosnan. Uh, we didn't have any discussion about Timothy Dalton, um, who um, some people think, you know, a license to kill is like the worst one or something. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it probably is. Uh, it, the, there, Living Daylights is a fun movie. That's It is good, pretty fun, but... yeah. I, uh, it just, yeah, just was, that was a rough time for the franchise there, but they kept it mm-hmm. pushing, right? Uh, so those are our four. So we'll, uh, you know, if anybody agrees or disagrees with us, we'd love to have your feedback either via Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at Double Take Cast or an email to our Gmail at Double Take Feedback at gmail.com or a voicemail on anchor.fm and they've uh, done a few upgrades on the apps on devices and also I think some stuff online so they're trying to make it even easier for people to participate and we'd love to have any feedback or suggestions from people to any of those ways all right mm-hmm. um, and this will be kind of the conclusion of our show and for at least uh, this year and we'll continue on we're getting close to our 20th episode and we've been going at a pretty regular weekly clip. Um, and we'll just kind of keep moving along, you know. Um, so uh, hopefully everyone has a nice holiday. And we'll, we'll uh, as I said to all my students to annoy them with a dad joke, we'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Double Take is recorded using Audacity and CleanFeed. We use Fifine USB microphones and distribute through Anchor.fm. Theme music, Funk in the Trunk, is by Shane Ivers at SilvermanSound.com. Please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram at DoubleTakeCast, or email us at DoubleTakeFeedback at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.